Welcome <laughs> to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is season one, episode 1.06. Today we are discussing the Lens Paradigm Flight, Fight, Persevere. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the developer and teacher of Rekindling Material. And my name is Zachary Rios, and I am a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry as my major and pastoral leadership as my minor. Okay, great. So to start off with, as always, Zach, can you recap the past lens that we did just this past episode, Spectrum? I would love to. It was a longer lens, as you remember. Um, But basically, it was just the idea that a lot of times we like to see things as black and white, this or that. And this lens just kind of opens us up to the idea that things are a lot more complicated than we like to let them be. Yes, they are. And so it just opens us up to that whole idea because we had, from a scale of 0 to 100, Mm -hmm. basically we picked a topic, had a scale of 0 to 100, and 0 was the most liberal, as in freest, most crazy form of something, and then 100 was the most restrictive form of that. Conservative, tight. mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then we uh, examined an issue and saw where the biblical parameters are mm-hmm. for that issue. And so a lot of times we like to say that we have our opinion on something and it's 72. We just, mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's what the right answer is. And then when someone, we might allow someone to be like a 71 to 73 because that's right <laughs> around it. Yeah. But you got to be right there. Otherwise yeah. you're wrong and just bat Mm -hmm. but actually the picture that the bible tends to paint is more of a range that could be 10 20 maybe even 30 depending on the topic yeah and it could be more towards the zero end or more to the 100 end it just kind of depends on the situation so we talked about that last week was the main thing and just real quick with that so we tend to, we tend more towards a black and white or very narrow view of things, mm-hmm. and so what the spectrum does is, um, depending on the topic, because we want to go biblically, um, the Bible may agree it's a very narrow response. It may be a much broader response. Also, a lot of times in American Christianity, we lean towards the conservative end of things. We put mm-hmm. more rules on such, which is true. So some of the topics in the Bible are more conservative in their answers, but others, such as love, are much more liberal. Yeah. And tons of them are right in the middle in the more moderate approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the most recent lens that we have discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about Rekindling Ministries in general, you can check out episode 1.00. And we've also talked about lenses such as the seven-stage journey, sweet and sour, eternal, internal, external, and be do have, which are episodes one through five. Correct. And I'll put you on the spot. Imagine someone, this is the first episode they're listening to, and it's the series on lenses. Yeah. What is lenses? Basically, the idea of lenses is seeing what sorts of just, you can almost picture it as a tool belt. What Uh, we're trying to do is Can we say a a Batman utility belt? We can say a bat. Well, actually, that might be trademarked and (laughs) sued, and so not sure if we can actually say (laughs) that, so just ignore that. We'll fix that in post-editing, so don't you even worry about that. But basically- We (laughs) post-edit? It's just uh, a tool belt of some different paradigms and perspectives on how to think about things, Mm -hmm. and so uh, we just have some different ones, like the ones I mentioned that you can hear about, and that's- yeah, then go explore those more. Yeah. And so the one thing I'll say to that is, you know, like, for example, I have glasses. I don't have 20-20 vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I want to actually read something that's more than a few feet away from me, I need glasses. Yeah. If I want to study uh, some cells, I need a microscope. If I want to look at the stars more closely, I need a telescope. Mm-hmm. If I want to watch uh, 
a certain movie that we won't name because we don't have the branding you know, for it. Um, but it's an adventure movie with a bunch of superheroes in it. Um, I may want to watch with the 3D glasses. You know, cause yeah. For example, when Star Wars came out a year ago, I'm not a, in general, I'm not an IMAX guy or a, a 3D guy because I just get dizzy. Sure. And so I watched the opening night. I was all pumped. And so I went back a couple nights later. You know what? Let me go ahead and try the, the 3D thing again. So I watched the, the episode, was it episode seven? Yeah. I watched episode seven in the 3D. Nope, dizzy. You know, <laughs> so 3D movies are not my not my. It was worth theme. a try. <laughs> <laughs> try yeah that, now i know i get it it's like popcorn you know like once a year i'll get popcorn in the theater I'm like oh i'm missing popcorn and then it gets stuck in your teeth and you're like nope and then i let it go for a year again I'm like you know what? i bet you nope still the same <laughs> so, yep. so popcorn and 3d movies yeah uh anyways so the the idea of the lenses is if you're going to see something clearly you really do need the lenses mm-hmm. and so paul tells us in second corinthians 4 that we should see the unseen yeah and so this whole series this whole season that we're doing are these spiritual lenses to help you see the unseen right to make practical decisions etc mm-hmm. so uh, this lens that we're discussing today is called the flight, fight, persevere. And so first, let me give you the definitions of each. So to uh, so the idea here is you're facing some bad, uncomfortable, suffering, evil situation, just mm-hmm. some situation you don't want to be in. Um, and you need to make a decision. What's my response to this bad situation? What should I do? Yeah. And you've got four different um, potential responses. So if you watch the Discovery Channel, they tell you f- fight or flight, right? The, the, every every creature in nature has the flight or fight uh, perspective. And so to flee means to get away from the bad situation or from yeah. whatever the source of the bad is. It's to escape it, right? That's that. So to flee or flight means to get away from the bad so the bad doesn't happen to you. Mm-hmm. To fight means you stay there and you actually confront the bad or you confront the source of the bad and you fight it. And the goal is for you to overcome it, defeat it, and stop the bad from happening. Mm-hmm. So, for example, kind of a killed or be killed you know, type mentality. Um, and so to flee is uh, this, this predator strategy stronger than me so I'm going to get away yeah. but or I can fight and I can kill the predator so that it's not trying to harm me anymore right chew on me gnaw on my bones etc. makes sense <laughs> so anyways so so discovery would tell you you have two options uh fight or flight there's also a third one kind of unspoken there, which is you could roll over and die. Um, this is <laughs> sure. the, the defeated response. So you could sit there and let the bad happen to you and just waste away and, and be eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so you have those three. Biblically, there's a fourth one, which is persevere. And mm-hmm. so persevere is to actually, in short, endurance, perseverance, patience, these terms are all related biblically. In short, they mean let the bad happen to you. Yeah. So uh, let me parse this out just just a little bit. Again, if you're if you're the type that's listening to these podcasts and you like kind of taking notes or writing stuff out because you're more visual, you could write out um, flee, fight, defeat, and persevere. Or defeated um, and persevere. And again, as always, I'm using my hands. <laughs> yeah. So um, what is flee? Kind of three things. One, it's to remove yourself from the bad situation. Two, the bat itself would continue on. You're just no longer there. Mm-hmm. And then three, you may or may not change because of the fleeing. Sure. The fight is you actually stay. So it's the opposite of flee. Mm-hmm. And it's actually stopping the bad. So it's also the opposite of flee because the flee lets it continue. Yeah. Um, and you may or may not change. So the first one is you escape, let the bad continue, maybe change. The second one is you stay, make the bad stop, and may or may not change. The third one, being defeated or wasting away, you also stay like the fight, but you let the bad happen like the flee. 
um, and you're going to waste away because the bad's happening to you. You're going to get weaker and eventually die. Mm-hmm. The fourth one, persevere, is also remain, just like the fight and the, and the defeated. Um, it's also let the bad continue, like the defeated and the flee, mm-hmm. but it's get stronger through it. So if you were to draw a little table, that, that, that can help you kind of explain the, the similarities and differences between each of those four. And so one of the big points of the flight, fight, persevere lens is on the surface, or at least initially, the defeated and the persevere look the same because both are you remain, mm-hmm. both are you let the bad continue, but a radical difference in a third option, because the defeated is you waste away, yeah. where the perseveres you get stronger. So I want to, I really want to just take some time on this because um, the persevering concept can be very, very difficult to wrap our mind around. And so I know one of the things for me, like a long time, you know, the whole turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And I would ask people, well, back when I was in, up in Northern Virginia, I would ask people, hey, what do you think this means? And the most common answer I got was, well, it doesn't mean be a doormat. You know, um, it doesn't mean let someone take advantage of you, et cetera. And I remember, like, I kept reading the passages. I'm like, I don't know. It kind of says exactly that, you yeah. know. So is it that, well, clearly it doesn't mean that, so it must mean something different. Or does it mean that, and that's just a radical flipping of the script? Well, I know Jesus liked to flip the script. It's the whole point of Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah. So anyways, I, but I had wrestled with it. I didn't know how to voice it or explain it or whatever. And I read uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. And it's a fantastic book that I recommend people read. And he walks through each of these little disciplines you can do to grow further in your faith and, and grow stronger with the Lord. And one of the chapters, I think, is on servanthood. And he makes this little comment about serving. And so I'm going to just read, um, well, I'm going to read my thoughts that, that I had, some notes I had taken as I uh, as I had read that. So according to, to Richard Foster in the Celebration of Discipline, he sees perseverance as a server, service to others, i.e. one must have the proper attitude of humble service to best persevere. And so then he elaborated and he says, this means that you must condescend to, and he defined that as waving, waving the privileges of rank and lowering oneself humbly, compassionately to. So I'll read that again. Because what he says, you need to condescend to the weaknesses and infirmities of our fellow creatures. And so, so he's saying you need to waive the privileges of rank that you hold to yeah. and lower yourself humbly, compassionately to the others in the midst of their weakness. And you can see where this is very unpopular, mm-hmm. but it really kind of resonated with me as I was reading. I'm like, that sounds like scripture, <laughs> you know, as much as I don't necessarily, my flesh doesn't like it, yeah. but it sounds like it. And then he goes on to say, so because you're lowering yourself, to their weaknesses, condescending to that, waving rights. Um, you're bearing their burdens, mm-hmm. and you're weeping in their tragedies. This is the idea of hurt people, hurt people. There's a whole book or more books on that. Yeah. Um, he says you need to forgive their sins and cover their frailties, you, and then also need to love their excellencies and encourage their virtues, and you need to rejoice in their blessings. And I remember thinking, this is so difficult. I never actually see this happen, but that sounds biblical, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so then it's a, so kind of some attitude. This ties back into some of the lenses like EIE or eternal, internal, external. Some notes that I had made is, so with this attitude, we choose to be a servant who endures for the greater good of God and man, uh, endures bad, lets the bad happen for some other or greater good. Hmm. Uh, and so we give up the right to be in charge, thankfully laying down the terrible burden of always, oh, actually, this is still him, uh, laying down the terrible burden of always wanting to get her own way. 
Think about that. We give up the right to be in charge and thankfully lay down the terrible burden of always wanting to get our own way. It's like a punch in the gut. Yeah. Um, and enjoy <laughs> the internal freedom that comes, ironically, with giving up the enforcing of our rights. And he says, so we find that ironically, paradoxically, happiness comes from self-denial more than self-fulfillment. Why? Because that is the plan that God designed. That's how we designed the prologue that hmm. we're in. Um, we get the divine nod when we submit, and that is more than enough. I mean, this, this again. Wow, yeah. Don't necessarily like this, but it <laughs> makes so much sense. We get the divine nod when we choose to meet people where they're at and submit to their weaknesses and infirmities, letting them affect you poorly because there's a greater good involved, which we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's wow. radical. Yeah. yeah. That's so the fly by persevere kind of like spectrum can be very controversial, but it's not controversial because the scripture doesn't back it up. It's controversial because we don't like what the answer <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so this, this means, um, so when you're turning, uh, look here. Uh, so there's great freedom. Oh yeah, this is really good. There is great freedom in voluntarily choosing to be taken advantage of because then we can't be manipulated. Who can hurt someone who has freely chosen to be stepped on? So we place the burden of justice, which is the making of things right, in Jesus's hands. And in return, he gives us the burden of trust and submission, which we need to come to the startling realization is actually a lighter burden. What are your thoughts on that? That it just sounds so biblical. And the passage that I'm thinking of right now is the one that's talking about turn the other cheek and just that whole section of scripture mm-hmm. where Jesus really is pretty much saying, Hey, just do what, like if someone's going to take your coat, give them your shirt. Mm-hmm. And it's a really radical idea, but it makes so much sense. And it, there was a piece there that sounded exactly like what we talked about a couple episodes ago with the sweet and sour Yeah, that we're giving oh, up yeah, something yeah. and that, it doesn't seem like it's a good thing. So it's making us wince, but it still is so much better because it is following God's way. And another thought that I had was it, it's hard for you to get knocked down when you're already laying down. Mm -hmm. And so just being a doormat, like no one can hurt you and knock you down. If you're just already there in a posture of humility first before God. And then that puts you in the right spot to be before others. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that the, the idea, who can hurt someone who's freely chosen to be stepped on. Yeah. So this goes back to eternal, internal, external. It's like, there's, I think, I'm really curious to see how this whole podcast, this season, other seasons plays out, mm-hmm. who ends up being the audience, et cetera. I do think a lot of it's going to be, um, you are wrestling with some biblical concept, and maybe the way you've traditionally been taught just doesn't quite make sense, given other passages. Mm-hmm. But you don't know necessarily how to connect all the dots and like what exactly is saying. Yeah. And then either the spirit through insight and prayer or your scripture study gives you that revelation or there's some pastor or blog writer or just some random person at the coffee shop that says something. You're like, oh, oh. and all the all the dots connected and everything clicked. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what happened when I was reading, you know, long struggle with the turn the other cheek. What does it mean exactly? Yeah. Read Foster's thing and then thought of eternal, internal, ex- external. So going back to that lens, I mean, we talked about how naturally as humans, our internals based on our external. Mm-hmm. So how we feel and think our mind and heart is 
connected to or, or um, we talked about like a magnet, right? Drawn to what our circumstances are. Yeah. So if circumstances are good, you're in a good mood. If circumstances are bad, you're in a bad mood. It's just the natural order of humanity. But mm-hmm. as a Christian, as, as a Jesus follower, um, one of the things you're learning to do is change that so that your internal is actually based, rooted more in the eternal mm-hmm. rather than the external. So it's so what you're thinking and how you're feeling is based more in, in God and who he is and what he's doing and the eternal truths of Scripture that you're yeah. going home when you die than it is to your circumstances. So when Paul says, you know, shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonments, whatever, <laughs> I roll with it, you know, because my heart and mind is focused on things above, on the things of the earth. Yeah, and uh, just something interesting, there's also passages that talk about this whole idea and how we need to, how the bad things that happen to us seem to result in some better thing. Um, Just two quick ones, James 1, uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 2. Consider it great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Mm -hmm. And so what James is saying there is just the idea that trials are going to come. People are going to use you as a doormat. But that's okay because that's how you end up being mature and complete. Right. And then also uh, in Romans 5, starting in verse 3. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Mm -hmm. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. And that's just another one of those passages that talks about this process that's going on for our sanctification, really. Just our process of being made more like Christ. And as bad things happen, we can actually grow from it, which is really that whole idea of why we need to be persevering. Right. So so what we have, so kind of putting all this together, to be defeated is you remain in the bad and let it happen and waste away because of it. To persevere is to remain in the bad, the affliction, the trial, the tribulation, the suffering, the evil, mm-hmm. whatever term we could use. Sure. Remain in that. Let it happen to you so that you can grow stronger. And so the key is, well, how do I remain in the bad and let it happen to me and grow stronger, not weaker? Mm -hmm. And so what are the key components of this is that EIE. So what happens is if you are the typical person, whether a a kind of an immature believer or a a Mm -hmm. non-believer, your your internal is rooted in your external. So when somebody takes advantage of you externally, they also take advantage of you internally. And the Bible, you know, so for example, you're upset, you're hurt, you know, there's just a, a, a trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and the Bible would say, never let yourself be taken advantage of internally. And so we say, oh, well, there we go. If we're not supposed to be taken advantage of internally, then we shouldn't let ourselves be taken advantage of externally. No, because the Bible says, let your internal be rooted in your eternal. So the external is a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And so what the Bible would actually say in this turn the other cheek, go the second mile, give the tunic and the cloak, what it's saying is let yourself be taken advantage of externally but never internally. Yeah. And so if you are maturing in your faith and your and your internal, your thoughts and your, and your feelings are rooted in God and, and all that he's got going on, then someone can, you can choose to let them take advantage of you and you're okay with it. It's true. So when when you have a Christian, this could include any, any of the listeners that are out there, anybody here in the room now, 
um, and you have a Christian say, God doesn't want you being taken advantage of. That is someone who's still externally rooted, and they haven't made the distinction between the two. And if you get so mature and you're wrapped up in God that it doesn't matter what happens to your flesh, then then it's easier to understand the turning of the cheek passages. Make sense? Yeah. So the other thing I'll say with this is I really like uh, I've written kind of two columns here of the difference between being defeated and persevering. Because if someone hears me saying you need to go ahead when you persevere, you need to choose to remain in the midst of the bad happening to you and let it happen to you. Um, they can all get up in arms. So, so I want to. I really. I iterate. What's the difference between being defeated and being uh, and persevering? So, what I'll do is, is I'll read the defeated response, okay, um, and then you read the persevering response. Sounds good. Okay? So, if I'm being defeated, that's a very natural response. Whereas a persevering response is a supernatural one. Mm -hmm. If I'm being defeated, I'm thinking externally. I'm focused on the negative aspects and unfairness of the situation. But if you're persevering, you're going to be thinking eternally, going in-depth regarding the spiritual significance of what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. If I'm defeated, I'm focused on and leaning on self. Well, if you're persevering, you're focused on God, leaning on Him. If I'm defeated, I've surrendered to the situation. Instead of being surrendered to God. Uh, if I'm defeated, it's, it's an opportunity to make excuses or complain. Unless you are persevering, which then it would be an opportunity to grow. If I'm defeated, I've given up. But if you're persevering, you have not given up, and you've recognized that in God's world, to not give up does not automatically mean to fight. So let me just kind of reiterate that for a second. Most of us think to not give up means to fight. Could be. Mm -hmm. um, but it could also be not give up and flee. It could also be not give up and persevere. So we are called to not give up, yeah. but that could be flee, fight, or persevere. Um, if I'm defeated, I'm shutting down, I have a lack of focus, and probably no active response. I'm just letting things happen. But if you're persevering, you're being intentional, and you're making the most of the situation. If I'm defeated, I'm probably going to be vocalizing the negatives. Whereas if you are persevering, you're going to be much quieter. Mm -hmm. And if I'm defeated, I'm going to probably feel envy, like those that, that aren't going through it, or self-pity. But if you're persevering, you're going to have things like joy, peace, wisdom, strength, and resilience. So in the end, so you can see the difference between the two, right? There really is a radical difference, yeah. even though initially they look the same. So never be defeated. Always be willing, even eager, to persevere, for this is what leads to spiritual maturity, hmm. right? So that's really taken some elaborating, this flight, fight, persevere concept. Yeah. And another thing I, I want to say with this is... All three are potentially legitimate biblical options. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying the answer is only persevere. Um, we find biblically there's, there's examples where—actually, oh, before I even say that, I wanted to go back to the, our, our preferences. Um, typically, we choose the option based on our personality. Mm -hmm. So if you're the more kind of passive or conflict avoidance type, which one are you going to usually choose? You're going to choose the one that avoids the conflict. Yeah, and so you're going to flee. Yeah. yeah. If you're the more assertive, aggressive type, what are you probably going to typically choose? Probably fight. Yeah. Um, where, so I think most, 
passive conflict avoidance type choose flee, mm-hmm. most assertive aggressive type choose fight. There are times when someone either feels paralyzed, there's no other options, there, there's a lot of uncertainty, they just don't know what to do, and they actually go ahead and choose defeated. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say they're in abusive relationships, like why would you stay in the abusive relationship? They don't know really any other option, or they, they don't want to be, there's their fear of being alone. Sure. There's a number of different reasons for that. Yeah. Right? Um, so maybe they choose defeated because they don't know that's the only thing, at least I'm getting something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there might be uh, a few people that naturally persevere. I think most either choose fight or, f- or flight. Yeah. Um, so the thing, with the thing with this flight, fight, persevere lens, don't let your personal personality and preferences determine what your answer is when you face bad. Mm-hmm. Probably don't even let the circumstances themselves determine the bad. Well, in this situation, always flee. Mm, probably find exceptions to that, right? Probably. It seems that the best answer is to let God, via scriptures and prayer, tell you what the right answer is. So this goes to what I was just saying, that biblically, we do see examples in the Bible of God calling individuals to flee. So he calls Abraham to flee Haran. He calls Moses and the Israelites to flee Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Paul in the New Testament. There, there was, I don't remember what this was in the book of Acts, but a crowd, a mob had surrounded him. Yeah. And so a bunch of Roman soldiers came in and grabbed him and carted him out. So that's another example of fleeing. There was some bad situation, um, and either God called them to, or in hindsight we saw this was the right answer, yeah. was let the situation continue. Just get away from that situation. Mm-hmm. You also see examples of fight. So God calls uh, Joshua to fight in the promised land, right? To root out the the locals there, the Midianites and, and all those guys, um, yeah. to root them out. Um, we are called to fight against our own temptations. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples where we're called to fight. David. Uh, yeah, David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. Um so, so we have some examples there, the fighting. You yeah. could also say, I don't know if God called him to do this necessarily, but Abraham going after when his son, or his nephew Lot was kidnapped, hmm. and him going after and fighting the, those kings, the five kings, uh, that was a fighting option. So you see legitimate flea options. You also see legitimate fight options. But most frequently, you see persevere options. And so uh, the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis is almost all persevere. So he gets, he gets thrown into slavery, sold into slavery by his brothers, mm-hmm. and God wants him to persevere through that kidnapping and the slavery. And then he's got to serve in Potiphar's house, and he's supposed to persevere through the Potiphar's house. And what's interesting with that one is in Potiphar's house, there's also the incident with Potiphar's wife, and, oh, yeah. and that he does end up fleeing. Yes. And so what's interesting, um, and haven't necessarily fleshed all of this out necessarily, but um, as we were just saying, his life is characterized by persevering. Mm-hmm. But in that instance where it would lead to sexual immorality, yes. that's when he flew up. That's when he decided to flee. Yeah, New Testament would back that up. And so it's yeah. just an interesting thing to see that there was a general perseverance yeah. and then a flee. Yep. And then what happens? He gets thrown in jail, mm-hmm. which he's supposed to persevere through the jail time. Yep. Then he gets up into Potiphar or to the uh, Pharaoh's, you know, place of, of high rank and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so eventually he gets to the place that he needs to be. So God actually wanted him to persevere through all of those situations so that he could get to the position the, the position Pharaoh had for him. Yeah. If he hadn't persevered through the majority of those positions, uh or situations, he wouldn't have got to Pharaoh. That's true. Um another persevere actually with David. So it's a combination. He fought Goliath, but then after he was anointed 
um, king. It was years before he actually took the throne, and he knew there was a timing issue. So there's a good chunk of like First and Second Samuel and that kind of deal mm-hmm. where he's actually running. It's kind of a combination of persevere and flee. He keeps running from Saul. God had already anointed him king. It would be easy for us to say, well, you know what? God anointed me king. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight Saul, and I'm <laughs> going to take that throne. And yet he doesn't do it. Yeah. He flees and perseveres until the timing lined up. It's really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Jesus, of course, is the epitome of persevering because when they when they came to, to get him in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, guys, I, I could bring down a legion of angels right now and destroy you all. Uh, and, you know, quick side note, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. In the English translations, it says, I am he. In the Greek, it just says, I am which is one of his names. It's the yeah. voice in the burning bush. And it says, oh, I forget if it's Luke or John. But in one of them, it says, he just says, I am. And it says, everyone fell down. <laughs> so he said his name and the power of him just saying his name knocked everybody to the ground. It's just one little verse that we did. We did the skip over. It's really amazing. Yeah. But anyways, so he perseveres through the trial, through the cross, all these things. He kept persevering, the lamb before the slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like the language you just said in Romans and James. So you see a bunch of persevere. I'd done a loose count, maybe around 40 different situations throughout Scripture, trying to find like what was the patterns here. Mm-hmm. And what I found was about a quarter of them, it seemed the right answer was flee, and about a quarter of them, it seemed the right answer was fight, but over half of them, the right answer was persevere. Hmm. So the conclusion of all this biblically is it seems that, that persevere is the primary answer that God calls us to yeah. with the occasional fight or flee. So what I, what I like to tell people like when I'm teaching the groups and such is when you're in a bad situation, some uncomfortable suffering, trial, tribulation, bad, evil, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you should assume that the answer is persevere unless God clearly through scripture and prayer and circumstances and other counsel, unless God clearly is calling you to fight or flee. And so that to me is the big summary of fight, fight, persevere is that when there's bad going on, assume the answer is to persevere, sit in the midst of the bad, let it happen to you and grow stronger through it because you're eternally rooted, not externally rooted, unless God calls you to either flee from the situation or fight it, defeat it and stop it. Yeah, and I think that goes against what naturally uh, we as people, and I think even more so as Americans, want, um, because we don't we don't want to be a doormat, nope. and we like our pride, and yep. so it's just <laughs> it's just a whole thing of like, well, I'm not gonna be taken advantage of, and I'm gonna make sure my I myself am still holy and righteous and everything so i'm just going to remove myself from the situation because that's the more righteous thing to do Mm -hmm. when actually it would seem that jesus was a friend of sinners um and so just staying in that situation was something that he did a lot more frequently than i think we tend to do Mm -hmm. which i mean also he he was able to do all of that without sin so he was a lot more spiritually mature than the typical right right person but But, he's who we're supposed to emulate yeah and so that's just a really interesting dichotomy with all that yeah because also with that is the idea of justice Mm -hmm. and later this year we're going to be doing an unpacking on justice and i'm really excited about what's going to be revealed from that but in general the idea of justice is you know uh, a punishing of wrong uh, or stopping of wrong and i think there's an element to that Mm -hmm. i think i think the better definition of justice is a making of things right and that could include stopping the bad but i also think and this is my personal opinion and we haven't done the unpacking yet but my idea is the making of things right internally Hmm. first and foremost 
and then making the making of things right externally, like circumstances. Yep. So I'm not saying we're, n- we're not supposed to stop bad. I'm just saying it seems that the priority is that you fix yourself internally and you make what is right in you internally, i.e. being eternally rooted, uh, being able to turn the other cheek, strong in the Lord, you know, humility, patience, grace, all that stuff. Yeah. Developing all that internally and helping others develop internally so that in those times when God calls you to persevere, which is the default answer, mm-hmm. you can do so. And so you don't need to stop the bad externally because internally you're already good. Sure. And then sometimes he will call you to fight the bad and stop it. But it seems that that's less of an answer than the more assertive types of us would like to say. Yeah. So the other thing I want to add to this is, and again, this is kind of practically speaking, so if you're taking notes, what you want to get at is the what, the why, and the how. So... The first question that you ask God is what? God, what is the right answer? So, God, I'm, I'm experiencing some bad, uncomfortable, suffering, tribulation, trial, evil, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the answer for me? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to flee? Do you want me to fight? Or do you want to persevere? So you get that answer from him. And, of course, this is a whole can of worms. Well, how do I know what God's telling me to do? Mm-hmm. That's for another episode, how to hear God in prayer. It's something I do want to talk about. It's yeah. just not the time and place you know, here with this discussion. So you get the what. Once you get the what, it doesn't end there. So it's not like flee, got it, boom, and go. Mm-hmm. Or fight, got it, boom, go fight. Or persevere, oh, okay, I'll persevere. There's more to it than that. Yeah. So you ask the what and you get the answer. The second question is, all right, God, why? Um, so why do you want me to flee? You know, why am I allowing the bad to continue? Why am I not supposed to stop it or persevere, et cetera? Um, all right, God, you're calling me to fight. Why? Um, what is it about this that, that, that needs to be stopped, you know, et cetera? Um, or even the persevere. Why? What, what's the character trait that I'm supposed to be developing through this? Yeah, and I think that with asking God why, it's important to mention that there is a proper tone to have with that, although God can handle <laughs> yeah, any true. tone that that's you decide true. to throw at him with the why questions um it's just gonna just from personal experience i found that it ends up being a lot more beneficial if i start out with a more um understanding where i am and understanding who he is type of tone Mm -hmm. instead of starting out with a oh i'm upset why Mm -hmm. ah yeah i I mean i've done that and god handles it really well um but it just Personally, for me, yeah. it ends up working out better if I have the right tone when I start asking those type of questions. And, and kind of with that, let's, let's do a little spur of the moment role playing. Okay. Okay. So I am Shannon Kirkpatrick, um, yep. and I'm doing a podcast and I'm interviewing, and you're Job. Uh, or actually, I learned it's Eob, is I think the Hebrew pronunciation. Okay. So, so God has brought you back from the dead, or however this works, or it's a dream. Uh, and I'm talking to Eob. Just one, one question. Um, if you ask God why, will he tell you? Uh, in my experience, um, and I'm glad that we have this cool translating thing because yeah, it's called a microphone. Normally, I don't speak English. Can you um, imagine? Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Yob, what is this? This computer screen, this microphone, what you know, is this keyboard. Going on? Yeah, what clothes are you wearing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mind blown. Anyway, um, so something interesting is when you do ask God questions, He really doesn't seem to answer the ones that you're asking, mm-hmm. but really tends to say this is who I am, this is who you are, and the way things are working doesn't make sense to you, and that's okay, mm-hmm. because they make sense to me. And so really hard situations, you could read about it in the book of the Bible, yeah. um, but God really doesn't 
sit down and walk through the little details of his plan. He just tends to do more overview type things yeah. where he's in control and you need to submit to him. Yeah, um, he he will always give you the answer you need to hear, mm-hmm. not necessarily the question that you asked. Um, side note, if, if Job or Yoba was really here, uh, I would ask him, um, so did you live around... 2000 or 2100 BC, and was it written right then? Was it written by you, or was it written later in 1300? That's just one of the questions I have about when the Book of Job was written. <laughs> um, anyways, so yeah, so so you ask the what, yeah, and then you can ask the why. Make sure you ask the why with the right attitude, knowing that God may or might not tell you the why. Mm-hmm. Then you ask the how. This is a real critical one. So let's say God tells you to flee. Um, all right, then there's very specific. You just don't assume all the details. The how is all about the details. So, all right, God, where am I supposed to flee to? When am I actually supposed to flee? At what speed am I supposed to flee? Am I supposed to flee with anybody else? What attitude should I have as I'm fleeing? So, for example, with that, like let's say there's a bad relationship that you have, a coworker, fellow student, whatever, sure. and, and you prayed over it, and God's telling you in this situation, I actually want you to flee. I want you to separate yourself from that relationship. You can't go to others and be like, well, you know, um, God told me to flee that individual because they're living in sin right now and I can't really be around them, whatever. That's gossiping. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't complain about what the person was doing bad to you because the Bible says do everything without complaint, period. Right? Yeah. Do not gossip. And so you can't say, all right, flee, and I'm going to go ahead and complain and gossip about the individual and explain to everyone why I'm fleeing. Mm -hmm. No, you can't pick and choose the commandments that you hold to. So if he's telling you to flee, understand that that doesn't give you a license to go complain about the individual. There's all those details you need to know. If he calls you to fight, you can't just assume how you're going to fight. So, for example, the first question you ask is, God, who am I fighting? So like um, the, Paul says, uh, our, fle- our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, the spirit and principalities and powers of this dark world. And he says later that we don't wage war as the, as the world wages war. So a lot of times if God is calling you to fight a bad situation, it's not, it's, a lot of times it won't be the individual causing the bad. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to us that it is, and it may be that. But a lot of times it's not. It's actually the demon behind them, right? Sure. Or, some, or, or, or you're, you know, hurt people hurt people. So you're fighting the hurt that the victimizer is receiving, which is cause, causing him to victimize others, you mm-hmm. know, et cetera. Um, uh, uh, Joshua is a great example of this. So God's like, all right, I want you to go ahead and fight, and I want you to defeat the city of Jericho. And, and you can imagine Joshua's like, got it, right. So he starts calling out, Get the siege engines, you know, get the ballistas and, and, and sharpen your swords. And God's like, hold on, hold, hold, no, no, no. Um, we're actually not going to use any ballistas or siege engines or shields. What I want you to do is go ahead and get a really good pair of walking shoes and uh, get a, a, a handful of trumpets. And then go ahead and clear your calendar for the next week. And what I want you to do is I just want you to march around the city seven times, um, praising me and trumpeting. And, you know, I, I don't know Joshua. I know Joshua was a really good guy, right? The whole book of Joshua, he's, he keeps being obedient. Yeah. But you can almost imagine if he was a typical human. It's like, oh, can I go ahead and, like, bash some heads in, you know? <laughs> nope, that's not yeah. how he wanted to do it. Yeah. So a lot of times when God does call you to fight, it's not with the tactics that you would prefer mm-hmm. physically, et cetera. Um, also, attitude is just as important. Um, bitterness has no place in fighting. Hatred of the victimizer or the offender has no place in fighting. I'm going to argue anger 
has no place in fighting. Hmm. Later, we're going to do a whole episode on anger, and I'm really going to challenge people on what the Bible has to say about anger. Um, And so I believe that when you fight, you're fighting out of love, you're fighting out of zeal, um, but you're not fighting out of anger. You know, I know, oh, Jesus, mm, challenge. I'll, I'll, all right, let's go. <laughs> we'll have that conversation. Yeah, yeah yep. I can't wait for when we get to that and actually breaking down those passages and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and so so you the how, the details of the flee, the how, the details of the fight, or if God calls you to persevere, you need to know the details. All right, so, you know, again, Lord, what, what character trait are you hoping to develop within me so I'm heading the right direction? Yeah. Are there any other character traits or biblical elements that I probably should equip myself with? Because persevering is really hard. Mm-hmm. That I should equip myself with so that I can persevere, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then for how long? Right. So don't don't assume the details of the answer. Don't assume the details of the what. Mm-hmm. Get to the details through the how. Um, the other little note I'll make is um, with with the persevering because it is the default answer. Um, it seems that there tends to be three stages of perseverance. And I, if I'm going to use alliteration, uh, which we Christians love to do, uh, or just communicators in general, yeah. um, there is the the Jonah stage, the Joseph stage, and the John stage, or more colloquially. Or, well, I can't say that word colloquially. <laughs> Anyways, um, that word. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that word. Um, the pissy stage, the stoic stage, and the celebrating stage. Mm-hmm. And so, what I mean by that is, when a lot of times, a lot of times when God calls us to persevere, we just ignore Him and we go ahead and fight or flee based on our own preference, mm-hmm. or we get confused and we roll over and die and do defeated. But if we get to the point when we finally recognize this is what perseverance is, mm-hmm. and this is why it's important, et cetera, and so, we, so God's calling us to persevere, we're in the Jonah stage. Fine. You want me to persevere? Fine, I will. I'm not going to like it. I'm going <laughs> to let you know that I don't like it. Yep. I'm going to tell everybody else that I don't like it, but I am going to go ahead and brag about how spiritual I am because I'm being obedient to you as I persevere. Well, sure. And <laughs> we just complain the entire time um, because persevering can suck, right? It's a sour. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing that makes us wince. You want you don't want to stay there. Uh, you want to get through it as quick as you can. You want to graduate into the to the to the Joseph stage, which is the stoic stage. So we see Joseph at the at the end of, the, of Genesis with his with his brothers, and they're all freaking out. He's going to kill us now. Mm-hmm. And he says, "You know what? You intended for evil. God intended for good." And I feel like there was. This, I'm kind of reading into this, but sure. I feel like there was a stoic nature where he's like, "Listen, I'm not really crazy." That my brothers threw me into a pit and sold me into slavery and took my, my favorite coat away. It was a killer, killer coat, by the way. Um, I'm not crazy that I had a servant Potiphar's house. I'm not crazy that his wife hit on me and then I got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy that I had to be in jail and the, and the baker and the wine guy, uh, I helped them tremendously and they forget me. You know, I'm not crazy about these things. But I understand it's all because those things happened that I am here now in this position mm-hmm. in this famine to save my family and my people. And so I'm going to accept it for what it is. Yeah. But then, so that's that's kind of where you should graduate to as quick as you can. But know that there's another whole stage, which is the John stage or the celebration stage. And so in Acts chapter 5, they're preaching the gospel, and they get arrested, and they get flogged. And then they're commanded not to, to evangelize anymore, share the gospel. And then they're released. And it's and, and you, we have to picture what the Roman flogging looked like. I mean, this was with, with the bits of metal and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So their backs are shredded. They're bleeding profusely, so they've lost energy. They're weak. They could probably barely walk. So there's probably other believers that met them outside the jail mm-hmm. and actually had to half carry them back. So they were a really, really bad, bad spot. Mm -hmm. But they had chosen, they didn't flee and try to escape the authorities. They didn't fight and try to overcome the authorities. But they also weren't defeated Mm -hmm. and died from it and gave up on it. 
they just persevered. They let themselves be flogged. And then as they're coming out, what does it say in chapter 5? They rejoiced that they had been flogged. Hmm. And the idea of, it, of joy we just done in the unpacking is a merry contentment, even being in bright, high, exhilarated spirits, leading to an active, bounding celebration. So when I read the text of the scripture, I really try to look, what does that word mean? So what is, what, what's the picture actually being painted here? Mm-hmm. They were in a merry contentment, even bright, high, exhilarated spirits in bounding celebration because their back had been ripped to shreds for their Lord. So the eventual stage that you want to get to in persevering is, you know what? I'm persevering because this makes me stronger. I'm persevering because this carries along some good that God is trying to accomplish. I love that I'm growing stronger. I love that God's story is being accomplished. I am excited for that, and I'm going to rejoice in the bad happening to me. So then you get James, rejoice in your sufferings. You don't actually rejoice that the bad itself is happening, but you're rejoice, rejoicing in the reason that you're enduring the bad and, 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 and the results of what that's bringing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so with that, I think that we're going to transition into just a time of question and answer now so that we can try and figure out just some more aspects of this. Ed really thought this was going to be a shorter one, but uh, I really like this, this, this lens a lot. Yeah, it, when we start letting our personality show through, it really starts to add some extra time. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so the first question that we have is, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but are we supposed to just let the evil happen to us? Kind of that doormat idea that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, okay. So fly, fight, persevere, especially the persevere part, does seem to come across as what we're saying is you need to let evil happen. Mm-hmm. And so there can be an objection to it. Wait, wait are, you, wait, are you really saying that we're supposed to let evil happen? And I'm like, oh, okay, good question. My answer is yes. And I know that's controversial. Yeah. The only thing I'll say to that is God has let evil continue at mass amounts for 6,000 years. He's patient with it. He, there's, there's certain other factors going on, et cetera. So, yes, there is time to flee the evil. Yes, there is time to fight and stop and cease the evil, but there's also time to actually allow the evil to continue because there's other factors going on. We don't like it. People are going to fight me with that. It is really what I believe. Sure. And so how, kind of going off of that, how does love tie in with this whole idea of fight, flight, persevere? Mm. I'm a big fan of love, so that's a good question. Mm. Uh, kudos, you get a star. Yes. Um, so how does love interact with the flight, fight, persevere? Okay, so there are, you know, we told you there are times when you're supposed to flee, and it's out of love that you actually flee. Hmm. So Paul talks about warning a divisive man twice and then have nothing to do with them. There were the two guys, I can't even pronounce their names, that he handed over to Satan so that they could come to repentance. So there are times that in love you will actually remove yourself from that situation and from that victimizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are exceptions to the rule. And there's usually a number of other things that have to occur actually before it gets to that point. So a lot of times when we flee too quickly, when we flee, we're not supposed to, it actually comes across as unloving because subconsciously what we're saying to the, to the victimizer is you're not important enough for me to actually love and, and help try to transform that kind of thing. I'm out of here. And so love a lot of times, sometimes love will be to flee, but a lot of times love's like, I'm not fleeing. 
Yeah. And I think that that just really speaks volumes to the person, to the victimizer. It, it, it absolutely can. And so same with the fight. There are times that in love, we're supposed to fight. The thing is, we're not supposed to fight the wrongdoer. Hmm. We're supposed to fight the wrong being done. Yeah. And usually we have a hard time separating those two. And so we fight the wrongdoer and that's not loving, hmm. you know, cause you're fighting them. And so, and so a lot of times when you do fight because you're fighting the wrongdoer, it's also comes across as unloving. And so when you're actually fighting the wrong happening to them to help decrease the wrong they're committing, yeah. that's out of love. You know, and then obviously persevere, you're, you love them. So when, you know, when I look at 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient and love is always enduring. Mm-hmm. That's perseverance. So they're yeah. all synonyms there. It's letting the bad happen. And so, and you're not taking the wrong into account. And it says love is not irritable. So you're also not even being irritated by the wrong accomplishing. Hmm. So your love for them allows you to persevere through the wrong they're doing in the moment mm-hmm. because over time you're trying to transform them. Yeah. And so that really leads in well to our next question. If we persevere, doesn't that enable the victimizer? In the short term, it can come across as that, yes. But my thing is, and actually Isaiah, you know, here in the studio with us, was mm-hmm. talking about this. Um, if you, I forget exactly how he said it, but if you flee, um, oh, I don't know what it was, yeah. If you flee, the victimizer is going to continue victimizing because yeah. there's nothing to stop them. If you fight, it really depends because every once in a while when you show some display of force, the victimizer immediately backs down and stops. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just the display of force can be enough. But a lot of times that's not enough because the victimizer is in a different frame of mind or whatever. And so when you display force, it doesn't do any good. And then you exert force. In general, they exert back. Uh, And so what happens is fighting typically escalates Mm -hmm. until one's dead. And so, yes, fighting if, until you eventually kill the individual or they succumb can work. So the perseverance does seem like enabling, but the flea doesn't really help. The fight may or may not help. The perseverance in the short term does come across as if you're enabling, but the whole point of the perseverance is for you to grow stronger and for you to love them and hopefully change them over time. Um, and so long term, it's not enabling them because love um, does not delight in evil and it rejoices in truth. Mm-hmm. So love is still desiring that that victimizer stop victimizing. Yeah. Uh, and so long term, the perseverance and the love isn't going to enable them. It's going to stop them. But this stuff takes time. And you were even bringing up the verses about uh, what was the one that you quoted? It was first. First Peter. First Peter three sixteen. Mm-hmm. So we know first Peter three fifteen or. Possibly not. Be prepared. Uh, but that's just the whole idea of being prepared to give an answer for, mm-hmm. to anyone who asks you with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Um, and then verse 16 goes on to say, so that when people defame you, then they end up being put to shame mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the way that you've actually handled yourself during that whole situation. And then that reminds me of Romans 12, where it says, do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that by that you're, you're heaping burning coals on their head. The idea is a conviction. Yeah. So one of the things is, is perseverance long-term. This is what Isaiah was saying mm-hmm. is that the victimizer events is like, why are you allowing this to happen? And he's also going to notice that even though he's taking advantage of you externally, he's yeah. not take, taking advantage of you internally. And the hope is by through long, term perseverance you do hope that he changes but the whole but the main focus of perseverance is that you change and that you develop yeah and so that leads into the next question which is a a little bit more serious and to me convicting but so could perseverance then in its final stages could that lead to martyrdom 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought originally, well, martyrdom would be the defeated because you're dying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. Because a martyr doesn't give up. Like, and you even pointed out Stephen never gave up. Yeah. So martyrdom is not a defeated thing. Martyrdom would be the long-term end of, can be, yeah. of perseverance. I think God calls, you know, particular people to martyrdom. But yeah. Yeah, and it's not, I, we're definitely not trying to make the point that if you persevere, just you're gonna you die. keep yeah. persevering, you're going to die. Um, although it's a possibility. And one thing I will say with that, um, oh, I always forget his name. There was an early church father who I think was born in like the 60s or 70s AD of the first century. Mm -hmm. So, and I think he was in Ephesus. And so John, you know, ended up in Ephesus. And so John died in his 90s. And so he was like a teenager growing up in the local church there in Ephesus that John led. Think about that for a second. Can you imagine being a teenager and and the last living original 12, one of the 12 disciples was was actually the guy that, one of the bishops, you know, of your church or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so he was he was a youth and a teenager when John died. And so eventually he became, you know, because um, Timothy was one of the bishops of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Eventually, ah, I can't think of his name. He became the bishop of Ephesus. So around like 160 A.D., let me think about this. He must have been born around 80 because he was about 80 years old around 160. I don't remember the exact dates. Yeah. But anyways, he was in his 80s and there was another per- a persecution, a Roman persecution that broke out against the church and they were going around telling people, you need to renounce this Jesus and declare that the emperor is your divine God that you worship. Mm-hmm. And so they came to him and they were threatening him of this. And you can imagine he's this feisty little 80, 80 some year old guy. <laughs> I think he was like 86 uh, in, in the history books. Anyways, he says, I've, I've dedicated my life to Jesus for 80 years. Why would I stop now? And, and they're like, hey, listen, we're, we're being serious here. We're going to kill you. We're going we're gonna to burn you at the stake. Um, we're going to give you three days to change your mind. Um, you know, we're going to burn you at the stake. And I think he'd even had a dream one night uh, where his pillow caught on fire. And he woke up the next day and told his friends, I'm going to be burned at the stake. And then I think it was later that day that the Romans official said that. Wow. Anyway, so three days go by or whatever, and they give him time. And so they come to him and they said, so you're going to repent? And he goes, I'm 86 years old. I've given my life to Jesus for 80-some years. Why would I give up now? I right? just gave the kind of the same answer. And they're like, all right. So they, they, they tie him up, and they take him into the, the town square or the, the arena or whatever it was they were doing there mm-hmm. in town. And, and they, they put him on the, on, the, on the stake and start and we're getting ready to light it. And there were Christians in the crowd that came to watch him. And this goes back to Fly, Fight, Persevere. Um, they did not come to help him escape. They did not come to defeat and overcome the captors, the Roman authorities. Hmm. They came to cheer him on in his martyrdom. Wow. And they were chanting things like, die well, die well. I mean, think about that attitude, right? That's insane. Wow. Um, but anyways, <laughs> and so, so, so he, he got tied up. They lit him on fire, didn't kill him, so they had to spear him to death. So, so we're not telling you that perseverance will always eventually end in martyrdom. One of the things is we need to see martyrdom is a very noble thing. Hmm. And, and if God's calling us to do that, we do it. I mean, easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think at this point it would go without saying that this whole idea of persevering and fight, flight, persevere, this whole lens is tough. Mm-hmm. And you really need a certain amount of motivation. And so I think the key to that is understanding the sweet and sours. So yes. what would those be? So... um. I think it's really important to teach people to stay on their toes and think quickly. And so I love going off of the script in our outline and putting you in the spot. So I'll flip the script on you. Um, start with the, <laughs> start with the sours. <laughs> because what, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, 
um, what are some of the sours? What are some of the good, beneficial things that are going to make you wince mm-hmm. when you begin to live by flight, fight, persevere? Just a real quick note for the people listening. When we say that we're going off the script, we don't have any sort of like transcript of this. We just have a general yeah, outline. Yeah. And we actually do randomly go off of it, and we just tell you. So this... I thought I was asking the questions, but not anymore. So it's fun uh, with (laughs) the sours that you were just asking about. One of the main ones I think is definitely just the whole idea that this concept is hard and um, just Mm -hmm. with persevering, it takes the next level of like the quote that you were saying um, from that psychology book. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, foster. yeah, Yeah. Just that we need to be willing to put ourselves in a spot where we're already a doormat. Yeah, who can harm you if you've already chosen to be walked on? Yeah, and so just that whole idea is difficult, and it doesn't seem like it's a good thing, but when you actually start thinking about it, it is a good thing. It just makes you wins. So this is outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You're going to be called to fight when you're the more passive type. You're being called to flee when you're the more assertive type. Yeah. You're going to be called to actually persevere and let bad happen to you and be walked on and have your face slapped and have your cloak and tunic taken and yep. go the second mile and be taken advantage of. That's a huge sour. It's actually a good beneficial thing. Yeah. Sour. So really, I think that that's the main sour. Is the main one. And then the main sweet, I think, is just the whole idea that uh, what I was reading earlier with Hebrews and James, just Mm -hmm. that it's not about the individual circumstance that you're in. It's about the eternal perspective and what God is helping you through Mm -hmm. and preparing you for and just the character development, just that whole process of becoming more like Christ that you get to be a part of when you submit yourself to what he wants you to do in each situation. Yeah. Yeah, and the last thing I'll add to that is, so going back to the seven stage journey, um, getting in the boat is committing to Jesus as Lord, recognizing that he is God in the flesh yeah. and he died on the cross for your sins. But then he calls you to go water walk. And the water walk is that transformation, moving from A to B. Um, and it's a transformation and a maturing of you. It's you slowly, two steps forward, one step back, baby step process of slowly becoming the complete version of who God designed you to be. Mm-hmm. I believe that when we're born, we're born incomplete. I believe that God God starts us off incomplete. And in heaven, we will be the complete versions of ourselves. Yeah. But God doesn't want us to wait until heaven to be that complete version. He wants us to begin working that out now and slowly equipping ourselves with the fruit of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts and all, you know biblical mindsets and all these things. He wants us to begin equipping ourselves and, and fleshing out the details and filling out the parts that we're missing yeah. so we can become the complete version. And I believe that anybody who joins the boat and, and sincerely believes that Jesus is Lord gets to go in heaven his kingdom forever and ever and ever i believe that those who believe in his boat and then begin to water walk and begin to become the complete version the sanctification if you would um they get to go into heaven and are going to get reward and authority so so flight fight persevere along with all these other lenses are tools to help you water walk they're tools to help you um become more mature and sanctified and become the complete version of you Mm -hmm. And um, there's, there's some really strong benefits with that. Yeah. You get more reward and authority in heaven. You make your God grin from ear to ear and marvel at these, these tough sacrifices that you're making. Mm-hmm. And I also believe the complete version of you is stunning. And the complete version of me is stunning. And when we get to heaven and we see the complete versions of everybody, we're like, this is just amazing. 
but we don't need to wait to them. Flight, fight, persevere, and especially the persevere is one of the steps you can take to begin to see the more complete version of you, and you're really going to like that. Yeah. So as always, um, we're going to wrap that up. We're going to finish just under an hour. Um, if you have questions, objections, et cetera, you can come to the, go to the website, uh, rekindlingministries.org, or you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com. And with that, we are going to sign off. We'll see you guys at the next episode. And always, we love you guys, and hope you're being encouraged and convicted by this. Mm-hmm.